This episode of the podcast is part of our ongoing look at the authors and creatives taking part in the Lancashire Stories project. Lancashire Stories is an Arts Council England project grant funded scheme which sees Lancashire County Council's library service working in conjunction with UCLAN Publishing, Blackburn with Darwin Libraries and Blackpool Libraries to publish a brand new collection of short stories. The stories will be written by professional authors with a connection to Lancashire and will be available free of charge for people across the county both in physical and ebook form. To hear more about this exciting project as it progresses, follow us on social media at Lanx Libraries or subscribe to this podcast to get notifications when a new episode is released. So we're here today with Antonia Charlesworth-Stack, who is one of our Lancashire Stories writers. Um, hi, Antonia. How are you? Hi, Robin. Thanks for having me. Yes, really well. Thanks. You? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. Um, it's good to be talking to you. Um, it's uh, really exciting at this stage of the process because um, as we're speaking uh, earlier this week, we received all the stories in, so we've been having a sort of an initial read through them. So it's been, it's a really busy but exciting time um filled with all of the the brilliant stories that have been uh, written so far for for Lancashire stories so it's really exciting um we'll we'll touch on yours later but how how was that for you how was writing your your Lancashire story it was good yeah so um i think i heard just before christmas uh, that you guys had commissioned the story and that was I, I sort of uh right i won't think about this until we've got christmas out of the way and then inevitably, I just did think about it all over Christmas. So then at the start of January, I just hit the ground running with it, really, and um, expected January to be a bit of a research period and February to be more of a writing period. But once I uh, got going, it just came quite quickly, really. So, yeah, I think um, I got in before the deadline, which I pride myself on. <laughs> Yeah, you were very punctual. Yeah, um, so I, so fortunately, I've had the chance to read through your story, and it's it's really really good. We won't, like I said, we'll touch on it later, but we won't give any spoilers away. Um, do you want to start by giving a bit of uh, background to your writing, uh, your writing career? Um, you uh, sort of what your your background is and what you what your writing normally takes, what form it normally takes. Yeah, of course. So uh, this is actually my first piece of published fiction, so it's really exciting and I'm really grateful for the opportunity. Um, I'm a journalist and editor by trade. I work for Big Issue North magazine, um, producing a weekly mag, uh, so that's my day job. And yeah, my background is journalism um, and non-fiction, so I, I did a journalism degree um, at UCLan, which is nice actually that UCLan is is publishing this collection, um, and also I did I ended up doing a, an MA there as well in magazine journalism, and I've been working 
at Big Issue North for about 11 years now. Brilliant. Um, so obviously, you know, a lot of experience of writing. How did you find writing uh, a fictional story then in comparison to your sort of your, your day job? Yeah, yeah, it's very different. Um, I have written bits of fiction before. Uh, like I say, this is the first time I've I'm publishing anything. Um, and it's the first time I've actually completed anything. <laughs> because, you know, I just, when you've got a day job and a family as well, it's, it's something that I don't really have the privilege of being able to do uh, without having a paycheck unfortunately and that's why I think this project's great because it's um you know it's, it's giving it's paid obviously funded by art council and it's giving northern writers that opportunity um so in terms of how it's how different it was it, interestingly not that different uh once I figured out the form of how my story was going to be written um I initially started writing it quite differently to how it's ended up. Um, and But I'd been a little bit ambitious, really, with the plot, and I wanted to fit a hell of a lot in. And um, I had to reconfigure it, really, to be able to allow me to do that. So the format has ended up being um, a talk. So it's probably going to be quite different, I think, to most of the stories in the anthology. Um, and that gate allowed me to sort of approach it similarly to how I would, um, you know, my journalism is based on interviews with an elderly lady. Um, so, yeah, not that different, really, in that sense. Yeah. Um, having read it, it does, it, it, the stories that we've received are all very, very unique and very different, and your stands out as being almost sort of like you like you describe it's almost non-fiction style in the way you, mm-hmm. that you've approached it but completely completely fictional um it's a really interesting uh um story and the way that you've told it does um does make it really unique uh and almost to the point where i was thinking is this real and there's certain parts <laughs> of it that are you know slightly fantastical um yeah uh that you, you're going no no it's not and you've got to treat keep reminding yourself no this isn't um but yeah it, I, I think people will enjoy it I think they really do I think, I think it's because you know I would like it to be real <laughs> um I think you know I, looking for stories um as a journalist I mean this was this story was inspired by a few photographs that I'd come across um and wanted to know the real stories behind them and then in sort of failing to find the stories behind them imagining the, the the story behind them and then that's really what the end result is so um you mentioned you've, you've it was based on some photographs that you've uh, you've come across and you earlier mentioned about research that you, you were planning on doing for the story what was the the mm. research process like and how did it differ from journalism research was it very similar process um it was it was different because um i sort of found people were less willing to talk to me (laughs) um you know without having that solid result of you know this is an article that's going to be coming out in the next few weeks um yeah people were sort of less responsive 
Um, also, I didn't want to really give too much away. Um, and, yeah, so it, it was a little bit different. But like I said, I wanted to spend January researching, and I did do quite a bit of research. Um, I, I spoke to Showtown Museum in Blackpool, who gave me some good information, and I got had an, an amazing chat with a woman called Caroline Hall, who works in uh, the archives in Blackpool, and they were really, really useful. I also had a interview lined up with an elderly lady who I was hoping who had a similar background to my character, um, and I was hoping that she would be able to give me some sort of um, you know so, like context, but also I wanted to really capture um, a believable voice in the dialogue. Um, and then, unfortunately, that woman fell ill, which is something that I have come across a few times with elderly interviewees. Um, and I wasn't able to speak to her. She's she's fine now, I, I believe, but I didn't speak to her in the end. But actually, that sort of liberated me a little bit in the process because I had to rely on my imagination. I think if I had had that interview, I'd probably have been bogged down in too much detail and research, and it would have been a bit more of an obstruction. So um, that was really why I just cracked through the writing, and I thought I might return to that research later and then as it happened I didn't I didn't need to um I don't think the story's lacking really because of the absence of that but it was probably more about my um confidence so you know maybe I felt that I needed to rely on research more heavily than I did in the end your story's based in in Blackpool um and you are yeah. you are you're from Blackpool yourself uh you're the second author that we've spoken to so far for the podcast who's from Blackpool we spoke to Nathan Parker already who was spoke very passionately about his um, affection for his hometown is there something Mm -hmm. about Blackpool to you that uh, um, is inspiring or a a real uh, sort of set an appropriate setting for your story definitely I mean the story is like so firmly rooted in Blackpool It, it wouldn't be the story is anywhere else. Um, I listened to Nathan's podcast and I've also seen him perform his spoken word as well. And he is a really inspiring character. He's obviously so passionate about this town. Um, And I share those passions in as much as, um, you you know, my job, uh, whenever I can uh, represent Blackpool, I, I do. And... I too am interested in telling the stories of the town that are, are different from the mainstream narrative. Um, obviously, it does get a bit of a, a bad rap in the national press and that kind of thing. Um, but I don't really get bogged down in that. I think, you know, anybody with two brain cells can see that tabloid headlines. Um, you know, and we, I think... A lot of people love Blackpool, you know, and, and I certainly do. I lived away for a while, uh, came back here to raise a family, and it's just an amazing place to raise a family. Like, there's nowhere else like it. And and, and I think it's it's a, it's a bit of an anomaly in the Lancashire stories. Well, in Lancashire, it's, it's different, isn't it? Blackpool's just very, very unique. It's got an individual character. Um, and my story is very much... Um, about well, my character is a swimmer, so it's you know it's very much about 
being next to water. Um, and I think that's, it's a weird thing, like, growing up here, I definitely didn't appreciate being next to the sea like I do now. And that really came, um, became apparent, I suppose, during the lockdown, having that that freedom to just be able to jump on my bike and cycle down to the coast and, you know, watch the amazing sunsets that we have here. I even got a wetsuit and walked a few times. <laughs> Uh, for my daily exercise and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's 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 an amazing place to live, and I, I am passionate about it as well. I think that's one of the things that's coming through about this project to me is that um, the different areas of the county are so unique, and although that you know it, we're not a huge amount of land, there's so many different and distinct areas of the county. Um, spoke to. Uh, Innes uh, Gregory Labata for the last episode, um, and she was talking about Lancaster, and you know Lancaster's a very different place to Blackpool or to to Burnley or Accrington, um, and all these places have got their own characters, and I think that that's hopefully I think is going to come through in all the stories as well, um, and and Blackpool is such a great setting for for a piece of fiction as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's so many stories here and, you know, just interesting people. Like, everybody you speak to has got amazing experience and, uh, yeah, it's full of characters, definitely. Um, Shall we uh, touch on a little bit about your uh, writing habits and um, obviously a lot of it's coming from your day job as a journalist, Um did you, when you were writing your Lancashire story, did you follow a similar kind of routine that you would do? Was it writing when you can, or were you sitting down with an express purpose? Or yeah, I, I'm I'm quite disciplined. Um, I think you know my day job has instilled that in me. You can't write when inspiration hits. You write when you know you've got a deadline approaching. Um, so so I approached it in a similar way in terms of when. I did my writing. It was mostly in the evenings, you know, after um, after work, after feeding the kids and getting them to bed and that kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, inevitably, when you do get a, a wave of inspiration, just like sitting down and, and bashing it, it out. Uh, I suppose I did a little bit over weekends. Um, once I really got going with it I think I probably did the majority of it in a couple of sittings so yeah a couple of late nights probably fueled by a few glasses of wine <laughs> is that how you um so is that how you tend to work trying to do things in, in bursts like yeah quick yeah <laughs> uh, yes yeah I think so because once you get into, you know, a flow, I think it, it can be quite disruptive to to break it. Uh, but inevitably, you know, life gets in the way and you do have to. I think what I would do is sort of like write a, a chunk and then maybe in the evening or whenever and then return to it the next day and do edits and revisions and that kind of thing. Um, and, and this piece, there was quite a lot of, editing and revising because like I said I had to change the form once I'd kind of got going on it. Um so so yeah, it was it was mostly that. 
do you uh, do you hand it over to other people to have a look at or do you sort of trust your own judgment i have had a few people look at it it's um i, I didn't really do that until it was in its its current state but there are like i do have a you know circle of trusted readers i suppose um that i pass it on to and yeah, appreciate their feedback um, so touching on um, your inspiration for writing and how you decided to become a journalist, was it something mm-hmm. that you knew you wanted to do from a young age or was writing fiction something that you you looked at or how did it come about? Yeah, I think I probably always had ideas that I would quite like to write fiction. Um, I think that, you know, my job, I, I made that decision really young that I would go into journalism probably because I quite fancied being a writer and I just thought how do you make that pay how do you translate that into um you know a a job with a with a paycheck every month um and that just made sense to me so um yeah I'm I'm fortunate I'm fortunate but I do also think that it you know it's not necessarily appalling it was just like a decision that I made I thought what am I good at I'm good at this uh, I'll do this. So I went, uh, sort of, just went straight from school to college and uh, uni, and and then, like I said, I did an MA. I graduated in two thousand and eight from my degree, and that was obviously around the financial crash, and there was no jobs. Also, living in the north of England, there wasn't a huge amount of jobs in journalism. Didn't really want to go to London, um, so yeah, I ended up going back and doing my MA, and then have, was really fortunate to get the job that I got um straight from that so uh yeah it was it was very much like a practical decision but I suppose that the I thought like I say I did it was based on the idea of probably wanting to write fiction um and it's something that I always dabbled with as a young person and then I suppose like the last decade I've done bits and pieces but not uh, in any sustained way because like I was saying before you know I've been busy busy getting on with life I suppose <laughs> yeah I think it seems it's a you know it's a common thing that we hear is that it people want to be able to write and they want to mm. make it a, a, as a living but it mm. is a challenge isn't it just getting the break um and getting a story in front of the right person or um yeah definitely. yeah I think that publishing is, you know, I mean, I I, I kind of uh, have quite a lot to do with book PRs because a big part of my job is um, interviewing authors. Um, so I, I do deal with that side of publishing a lot, but it's still a really obscure industry to me that I don't understand. You know, I know that obviously I know the process um, usually starts with getting a literary agent and I know that that's possible, <laughs> almost impossible as well so uh, yeah it's it's a really difficult industry to get into I suppose especially being based up here in the north we are just we're almost an island aren't we yeah yeah I know what you mean yeah um sort of moving forward do you think it's something that you'll look to continue to do um, writing short stories or is your sort of more 
would you gravitate gravitate towards uh, more uh, long form fiction? Yeah, no, I'd definitely like to write more fiction. Um, I think you know, novel writing would be lovely, but given you know everything that we've been talking about, the short story really does present like a, a feasible way of doing that. Um, having having written this one, I've thought it has it has inspired me to think about writing more short stories. Um, you know, maybe maybe looking at some of the things that I've written in the past that I probably thought would be novels. Um, writing them as short stories would actually be a really manageable thing. Um, so yeah, it, very very possible. Um. We touched earlier on your what sort of got you into writing. Are there any particular influences that you have? Are there books that you read as a youngster or the books that you read uh, now and particular authors that um, you find inspiring or that you enjoy the work of? Mm, definitely loads. Uh, like I said, I, I do interview authors for, for work and so I read a lot, especially a lot of new releases. Um, and then... I sort of do my personal reading. I listen to a lot of audio books and also short stories, things that are easy to dip into. Um, and also I love nonfiction, a lot of literary journalism. Um, I, I, You know, there's a lot of writers, I suppose a lot of writers I admire do sort of um, transcend journalism and fiction. Um, authors like Angela Carter, who actually, when I was um, writing this story, I sort of realised that that probably was, she was probably quite a big influence on it. It's very, it's definitely got some aspects of that. Not that I uh, think it's anywhere near as good, but <laughs> yeah, she she was amazing. Um, Joan Didion. Uh, in ter- terms of journalism and literary journalism, I absolutely love, and she obviously wrote a lot of fiction as well. Um, Nora Refron as well, she is brilliant. Um, again, she did journalism and fiction, and also screenwriting. And uh, you know, these are people really that I think like, approached writing as, as a job and a discipline, and. So that that does chime with me. Um, one author uh, that I absolutely love at the moment is Lisa Tadeo, who wrote this book, Three Women, which is nonfiction, narrative nonfiction, um, which was just incredible to me. Like it was a real revelation reading that book because it just well, it basically did exactly what I would love to do. Um, and then she's released a novel as well recently called Animal, which is excellent. Um, so, so yeah. And then uh, I also love like um, these sorts of fictionalized biographies as well. Like I was thinking a lot about that when I was writing this piece. I was thinking about um, Blonde by Joyce Carol Oates, which is like a fictionalized biography of Marilyn Monroe. Um, and Rodham as well by Curtis Sittenfeld, which is a fictionalised biography of Hillary Clinton, imagining that she hadn't married Bill. So, you know, stuff like this, I absolutely love. Um, In terms of inspiration for this story as well, like 
I think there are those three influences, but I was also inspired by a lot of, like I said, I was inspired by these photographs I'd seen, uh, which I can tell you a little bit about if you if you like. Um, yeah, do you want me to? Yeah, to... yeah. I mean, I think we've we've touched on the story a little bit without really giving sort of a, an idea of what the, the, mm. the general premise is. So yeah, it'd be great if you could uh, tell us a little bit about what the story is and yeah, the role of these the photographs that you found. Yeah. So the the photographs, um, there's three photographs that I have on, in a folder on my desktop. Uh, I've I've had them for ages, um, and in the story. The story is written from the perspective of a curator of a museum, and she's got these documents. They are really like the starting point for the story that unfolds. Um, I'm just trying to think about the order. Oh, so so the first one actually in the story is, is imagined. She's come across a photograph of a uh, a swimmer underwater. Uh, at the Tower Circus, and the Tower Circus famously has this sunken pool, um, and the water show is a big part of it still. Um, so that's the starting point. That is an imagined photograph. But then the second one is a real photograph of um, a troupe of circus performers called the Aquabells, who, and they're on the back of a float, and they're going through on a parade down the promenade. Uh, so that really was me thinking that my character would have been one of those women in the photograph. Um, and then the third photograph is a real, and it's of the, uh, it's actually of um, the freak shows on Blackpool Promenade, and they show the different films that are in, in these freak shows, one of which is a mermaid. So that was an inspiration uh, for that. And also, I was inspired by, the, the story's called, do you want me to tell, tell you the title of the story? The story's called The Call of the Sea, um, which is a direct reference to this statue that was up in Blackpool years ago, two or three years ago, I think, um, of a woman, like, shell-encrusted woman. It's in the town centre, and she's looking out to sea. Um, which is a beautiful piece of public artwork and uh, I think actually has gone down really well in the town, even though public artwork is usually really divisive. Um, and it's an interesting, it was interesting to me because it, around the same time that went up was, you know, a lot of debate followed about the role of public statues and, you know, who we celebrate. And it's just quite interesting that... Um, in this case, you know, it's not, it's not a statue of a real person. We don't have those statues in Blackpool, really. Um, so it was it was quite nice to imagine who who the statue might be of. Uh, that's not directly referenced in the story, except for in the title. So it's sort of if you know, you know. Uh, it's a subtle, it's a subtle one. Uh, but but really, as well, you know, in this this is an anonymous woman. Um, and that's that chimes a lot with the idea of telling the untold stories of women, which are absent from the history books in a lot of ways. And this is a, a big piece of my uh, work 
over the past few years with interviewing these elderly ladies from the north of England um, under the loose title of um, the silent generation, which is basically women born, I think, before 1945. Um, that's, you know, that's the name of that generation. And to me, it just, uh, it was re- it really, it's really relevant um, to women in the north of England who haven't had their stories told, but there's just like a wealth of, of experience and stories too told. So I was interviewing these um, elderly ladies and just hearing about their fascinating lives. And so that was a big inspiration as well, uh, because the the curator in the story interviews this elderly lady who was a former uh, performer in Blackpool before she sort of faded into obscurity um, because of some controversy. Um, and, yeah, she, she ends up being sort of hidden in sight and her story is not celebrated until this curator has, has come across it. It's, um, yeah, I think people are going to really enjoy it. It's uh, part of a really unique connect- collection and I think it stands out as being very unique. So, yeah. We'll we'll hear more about it um, as we get closer to the to the release date uh, later this year. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for for joining us today to talk about your your story and your your background. So um, yeah, thanks, Antonia. Thank you. listening to the reading ramble this episode has been part of our lancashire stories series lancashire stories has been made possible due to funding from arts council england project grants lancashire county council blackburn with darwin library service and blackpool library service you can find out more about this exciting project on social media at lanx libraries you can also subscribe to this podcast in order to hear more from the amazing authors and creatives taking part in the project bye for now Thank you.